Hey, Chilliwack Alliance Church listeners, this is the first ever Chilliwack Alliance Church podcast on the end of um, getting to know who our staff are. Hmm. So we haven't really come up with a name for this. It could be Joe with Joe. It could just be what it is. But the idea is that you get to know um, who the people are in this church. And we're starting with the very top. (laughs) Not, you know, he can speak into that, but guess who it is? It's Leon Thrones. No. <laughs> no, no, it's Matthew Mordaunt, Pastor Matt. Mm. So, how are you? I'm really good. Thanks for having me on the air here today, Joe. Really appreciate being your guest today. Oh, it's good to have you. It's good to be had. <laughs> so we get to actually, well, I just get to ask you questions. I mm. mean, in the future, maybe we can get people to send in questions beforehand, um, things they want to know about you. Sure. But these are things that, admittedly, I sort of know about you, but don't even know. Um, all of them. Sure. So let's start with, you know, where did you grow up? Uh, born in East End Scarborough, which is eastern suburb of Toronto. I spent the first 20 years of my life there. Um, kind of grown up, born again. Parents, like they spent every day at the church sort of thing. Um, yeah, I lived a suburb kid's life. So being in Chilliwack where there's mountains and, you know, valleys, rivers, and people actually plan them, this is very very foreign to me, but I love it. It's fantastic. Do you have any special memories about where you grew up? Um, you know, like, so like I said, I lived a suburb kid's life. I didn't live a downtown life. I didn't live a country kid's life. I lived a suburb kid's life. And so for me growing up in a townhouse complex, we had our run of the, of a really safe fenced in community. Um, we would play ball hockey all the time. And so the whole idea of like, you know, getting your your friend's little brother to play hockey with you so that when you take a shot and miss, the kid goes and running after it. Like, that, that was that was me growing up. We just played Were lots of Were you the outside. one who had to run after No, no, no. Never. Never, never. Someone else. Alex Good's little brother. We loved it when he came to play with us because he always ran after the balls. Alex Good's little brother, if you're listening, we apologize. <laughs> we apologize. <laughs> um, but thank you. But that, I mean, that sounds like a pretty pleasant childhood. This will date you a little bit. We're... You know, did you leave your doors unlocked? Was it that type of neighborhood? Not my neighborhood. No, we had the projects just across the fence from where we were. Um, So no, that was never part of my life. Okay. Did you enjoy the winters of Toronto? I mean, no, no. The problem with Toronto (laughs) winters is that it's like the exact wrong mix, right? Like in the summertime, you have it's hot, humid. I don't remember any wind. You just kind of hope that you don't touch yourself anywhere with like your arms because you sweat and it's sticking. It's gross. And then wintertime, it is cold, humid, and really windy. And so no matter what happens, you can't like the wind kind of slows down as it goes through your clothes out of courtesy. And then it just carries on. It's it, terrible. You wish that you'd have wind in the summer to cut the humidity and no wind in the wintertime to make it more bearable. But you never, and you don't get snow in Toronto. We didn't get much snow. So you had all this cold. And no snow. Well, you'd have some snow, but then it would melt and then the cars would, you know, drive by and make all the snow like brown and gross and stuff like that. And so there's no like picturesque anything, right? Hmm. What, do you have a memory of the coldest you've ever been? I was in Regina, Saskatchewan okay. when, I was, when I was in Bible college. It got down to minus 72 one night. That minus must have been the coldest 72. place on earth. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, that sounds it was bad. very cold. It was bad. And you were inside, but you were still cold. Well, no, I was right. inside, but I'm sure that the uh, Bible College heat bill was just flying through the roof that night because it was it was crazy. 
That was bad. Okay, well, I want to get to that because, I mean, we should stick chronologically here. But I just want to jump around a little bit because, I I mean, you got four kids now mm. and, you know, majority of them are in youth groups. So one thing I noticed about, you know, Thomas mm-hmm. and and probably the rest of them is just they have excellent work ethic. Mm. Um, so I'm not just trying to gain points here, but they do have good work. I've, I've observed that. We'll consider that you might be getting a raise next year. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but, you know, when did you start working? Because Thomas started working. We don't have to talk about Thomas, but mm. he started working at a young age. I'm just curious oh, yeah. about you. Like, is that the same? Um, so my mom was a farm girl. And so I do have some experience with farm life. And so when I went up to the farm in the summer times, um, I would work on the farm with uncles and cousins. Uh, grade eight to grade nine, we, me and my cousin Greg had a, uh, a corn stand. And so, you know, you're up there and you're picking and you're selling. And we got a little employee who picked for us for three hours a day. We paid him 10 bucks, you know, like whatever. <laughs> so we're not really entrepreneurial, but, you know, we, we had that sort of thing going. I don't know that we were super taught strong to work, but, you know, my parents always had us doing chores and stuff like that. And so chores have always been a, just a part of family life. Hmm. We just had with Thomas um, and with all of our kids, with our girls, we have just recognized that um, talent is cheap. That's something that I came to understand through uh, reading through Hebrews, through a Hebrews commentary, and then seeing it through sports, different sports athletes has been, it's reaffirmed it in my mind, uh, the idea that talent is cheap. Um, many people have been given God-given talent, but they don't do anything with it. Hmm. And so when I look at our kids, and all kids, right, Hazel will be the same, you know, your little girl, no, she's perfect. To, she's perfect. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is that God has has filled her with incredible gifts and abilities, but if she doesn't do anything with them, then they're going to be hmm. under or unutilized. And so with all of my kids, I said, you know, God has gifted you with incredible things, but what are you going to do with it? So what were some gifts you had as a young young man? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. That wasn't built, that wasn't, your parents didn't build into that the same way as you are? Uh, like for, did you play work? hockey? Did you want to go be playing hockey? I mean, you played ball hockey. So was um, that like yeah. a thing you wanted to go no, into as a kid? No, no, no. We weren't really ever encouraged to pursue things hard like that. Okay. No, not really. Ever. Was there any, was there a childhood job you really like thought about a lot and that you wanted to pursue? Oh, uh, I wanted to be CEO of IBM. That was a passing <laughs> interest. At the, at the time. Yeah, why not? It was a big deal. IBM, well, you Still know, is. a passing thing. Yeah. <laughs> it might have lasted for a month or two. So that was, yeah, young man's dream. But that's sure. a little bit odd as a young boy to like want to be CEO. Usually it's like astronaut or, yeah. you know, Well, I wanted fireman. to be an actor for, oh. no, not really an actor. I was, I was involved in uh, the school play in oh. grade six, Oliver. I was Oliver Twist. Um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, that was one of the highlights actually of my childhood was being Oliver Twist and Oliver. Okay. I was the tallest kid by far on stage and was supposed to be playing the child in this, in the story, which uh. was kind of weird for everybody involved, but that was a really positive experience. And so you know, people said, Oh, you're gonna be an actor. I'm like, nah, nah, whatever. So that puts your involvement in five corners Christmas into a bit of perspective. Cause you still like acting. Oh, I still like acting. It's yeah. The, uh, the you're good at it too. Thanks. Um, the tie that you get with the other actors is amazing. It's really, it's really amazing. And, you know, so you're working with these people for months and, um, you're, you're, you're together putting on a performance and how's it going to go when you have to support each other, you're working off each other. 
you know, you're you have to be an enemy of some people that you really like. But I find it's just it's silly. I find acting silly because um, like it's just so false, right? So you know, you're you're acting with these people, and this person whom you've never met before gets to be your wife, and she gets to touch you. <laughs> like, no, you're not allowed to touch me, but you get yeah. to touch me. Like, you know. I'm going to give you a hug or whatever. And I've known you for about 30 seconds. Like I just, it's just so false and weird and silly. that I think that's why I like it. It's a make-believe land that mm. you're trying to portray as real. Yeah. Is, yeah. It's silly it's and fun. You kind of like the people yeah. and it's, it's good. Yeah. Well, I, I guess one question that comes to mind in that is, was there any actors growing up that were inspirational to you? What did you, what did you watch as a kid? Were you into oh. movies or theater? No, not really. Really? No, no. I was really a happy-go-lucky kind of kid, and me and my friends would just hang out and do our thing. And yeah, you know, you play video games, you go ride your bike, you climb trees, you you know, throw things at girls, and whatever. <laughs> That's about it. Well, I mean, I'm sure we could talk about this a lot because it actually sounds pretty interesting. Mm. Do you do you feel like you had an interesting childhood, or was it? I had an enjoyable childhood, um, especially times that I spent with my friends. Um, so I said, we, we played ball hockey together. Uh, we played football together. We played basketball together. Uh, we played, uh, three pitch together. Some of my fondest memories. A lot of sports. Yeah. A lot of sports. And you still like sports. (coughs) What are, um, what's your favorite team again? The Leafs. Yeah. The Leafs. I talk about that as being a birth defect because, you know, you're born in (laughs) Toronto and so you have to cheer for the Leafs. Yeah. That's that's fine. Because you and Greg, Greg likes the Canucks. And yeah, you like the least. It's one of his many failings. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys have, you know, have little fights on that. Absolutely. Which is, which is funny being, just observing them. It's funny because I always win. I, is that true? Though? It's true. It's true. We yeah. have this little thing where I bought a Toronto Maple Leafs ornament and, uh, oh, I didn't do this here, but the whole pandemic thing didn't work. <laughs> so I bought a Leafs ornament and a Canucks ornament and which, whichever team lost between the Leafs and the Canucks play, whichever team loses, then, so if the Leafs win, then he has to put the Toronto Maple Leafs ornament up on his Christmas tree or in his office. And we've done it for two years now, and I have won both years. It's been fantastic. Wow. So he should just have to do it this year, too. I probably I'll should, remind actually. him. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Okay, so let's fast forward a little bit. Um, I mean, you mentioned Briarcrest. I actually didn't know that's where you... Canadian Bible School or Briarcrest? Canadian you, Bible College. Oh, Bible College. Okay, Ambrose not Briarcrest. No. Okay, no. so you went to. Oh, right, but it was in Saskatchewan. In Regina. Regina, mm-hmm. um, and it was cold, mm-hmm. and you were there for four years. Mm-hmm. And um, how old were you when you? I landed there. I was nineteen, just turning twenty, and finished four years later. And that was the first time you left home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and wh- what was that like? terrifying really oh yeah 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 as much as I played a lot outside I was I was a mommy's little boy and my first my reaction when I first saw Regina as a 19 20 year old young man was I'm gonna get on the first flight and I'm going home really that was my I can't deny it I know it went through my heart and that's what it was did you um did you know anyone there no no one no I and just then, felt called by God to be going to Bible college. And you went, you lived in the dorm rooms. Oh yeah. Let's, uh, let me just ask you, like with the first, you walk in mm-hmm. and you're in a, like, what was that like? Bunch of guys. How many guys were in your dorm room? Oh, uh, in my room, just me and one other guy okay. on my floor. How big were they? The dorm rooms? <laughs> oh, like it was comfortable. You had like a desk and a bed and a, and a, uh, yeah. a closet, whatever. 
So I went in and my, my dorm room partner, whatever, uh, my roommate had been there before me and like everything was like laid out perfect. I'm sure his mom did it because it was never clean <laughs> like that the rest of the year. Um, yeah. His you name always, was... You always start strong. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. And then it all just fell apart after that. So yeah, he and I, we had like Darren was his name and uh, we had a fine time. I woke up and went to class and he went to bed. Okay. At the same time. So he slept during the day. He was well rested. He was a night owl. Yeah. Oh, yeah, very much. Okay. Were you ever a night owl in college? Mm. A little bit? I mean, you have to stay up and do essays. All that kind of stuff. Did you yeah. get involved in the community, college community type? Because usually they, they have theater groups and stuff. No, no, no. I got involved in Canadian Bible College's, um, well, Legacy Youth Conference. Yeah. So I helped to run that for three years. Oh, and that's um, when it was a class, right? It was a class. It was also a volunteer thing. The the department heads took a class, yeah. Um, and I did that for one year. Um, on my third year, my second year, I helped a friend named Ryan Emmons, who I just love even to this day. Ryan is fantastic. I helped him in my second year to do um, recreation and facility management. And then my third year, I went and I took the class and I was ahead of, I was in charge of all the rallies, which is where the spiritual component happens, the worship, and the entertainment, all that kind of stuff. And then the third and my the third time uh, in my fourth year, so I was involved in year two, three, and four. In my fourth year, I just helped out with entertainment and I helped to direct. Actually, I directed uh, The Princess Bride that year and it was fantastic. It was fantastic. Best, it was a lot of fun. I heard it's the best year. It, it was the best year. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you did say you still have friends from college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I bump in. You know, some of them are even here in Chilliwack, Scott Street and Aaron Moore. They were both what? at school when I was there. That yeah. was huge. Scott Street was my youth pastor. And Scott Street yeah. was my drummer the year that I did rallies. He <laughs> asked me if we would buy him That's a new. Right. He was a drummer. Yeah. Yeah. He asked me if we would buy him a new cymbal, <laughs> and I said okay. That's my memory of Scott Street. Okay. Yeah, and you fantastic. did. And he got did. his symbol. He got his symbol. Um, that, I mean, that's, that's encouraging. It sounds like a positive experience, Matt. Yeah, and, it, was, it was excellent. And then you're 23 and you mm-hmm. have a bachelor's degree and then it's like. Yeah, what's 24. The, 24, it was, yeah. yeah. And then what's, I mean, the world is in front of you. Did, what did it feel like? Did you know where you were going to go? Um, it felt uh, somewhat disillusioning. <laughs> Yeah, because I had finished. I didn't feel any overt call to youth ministry. I just felt a call to general pastoral ministry, um, partly as a result of my internship in Slave Lake, Alberta, which was an excellent experience. Hmm. Um, so I just felt a call to general pastoral ministry. And but no one wants to hire a 24 year old pastor. At least they didn't want to hire me. Yeah. And so I I just kind of meandered. Like I for the first time in my life, I have a degree. Um, internship behind me and then the first job I got was like working at Wendy's like I flipped burgers with a bachelor's degree with a bachelor's degree and then I did an intern or interim youth pastorship in Toronto at my home church which opened my eyes to being a youth pastor and then I went back and I and after that was finished I got a job working at Eddie Bauer so my only experience in retail (laughs) and fast food came after I had a degree which was what very disillusioning for me yeah very. I did not know that about you. Yeah, and then um, and then after my stint, so after my stint in the interim youth position, uh, about three months, four months later, I ended up going to Kelowna to work with Pastor Leon as his youth pastor. Yeah, 
So if you're listening to this and you don't know this story, this is a really cool part of Matt and Leon's story mm. and how they intertwined because he was technically the first person to hire you. Very much so, yeah. Um, and you were 26 at the time, I guess? Uh, I was 24, I turned oh. 25. Okay, yeah. so you didn't work long in the retail world. But, no, three but months, enough, yeah. three months, whatever. Okay. So Certainly then, wasn't my dream, though, after I you know, yeah. graduated. Yeah. So where you, you're in Kelowna, in your youth pastor, what were some of your first impressions? Uh, I had to deal with loneliness because you're there. Uh, Kelowna didn't have many young adults. Yeah. Um, my wife, Sherilyn, was like the only single young adult who was there. Okay, this is where you met Sherilyn. Uh, yeah, so I Because I want to get to that. that. I made the most of the opportunity. <laughs> she was the only. She was the only, only. single <laughs> female young adult who was there. So, you know, it, it was a church that didn't have... Um, you know, a vibrant youth ministry at the time. Um, young adults ministry was certainly not uh, happening at all. And I was given charge over like youth and young adults. And so it kind of started from ground up, um, you know, early within my ministry there. Like I had to, Do I had to like the no show night, you know, that's how strong oh, these oh, ministry was, you know, that, that must've been discouraging. Those um, are discouraging nights. Well, it can be. It can be, but it wasn't for me because I knew it had nothing to do with. Right. So it's always a bigger I mean, picture. Yeah. Yeah. It was early days. Right. And yeah. so I just thought, okay, this is actually the state of our youth ministry right now. Yeah. Do you, do you thrive in positions like that? Like some people thrive. I mean, I, yeah, without giving um, too much, you know, the history of our church too, just like there's ebbs and flows and mm -hmm. sometimes you're building and sometimes you're passing the torch and mm -hmm. there's different, um, there's different things in that. But for you, do you find yourself, yeah, more of a starter? You know me, like I, I kind of like gr building things from mm -hmm. the ground up. Um, I'm a hard; it's hard for me to finish. But yeah, I'm curious about you. Is that uh, I like I like to initiate. I like to dream. Yeah, I like to get things started. Um, kind of, uh, kind of get the machine sort of running, yeah. and then having people come alongside to make it run smooth. Yeah. So five corners this year is a perfect example where I was part of the initial team who who dreamt it up you know, how are we going to do this? And so with the idea generating, I was there um, inputting ideas as other people were. But to actually be able to do what we've done this year in Five Corners, I couldn't do to save my life. Yeah. This is where I need people like Megan McKenzie, yeah. uh, Shani, uh, the actors, all this kind of uh, TJ to come in and to uh, do what they're really, really good at. Because if yeah. it was left up to me, it would have been a disaster compared to what it is now. Yeah. But I like the I like You're a, vi you're a visionary strategist. Um Sure. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Concepts. I, so. I like concepts. Yeah. I like ideas. I like yeah. Yeah, figuring things out. Creativity, for sure. And that that was the same when right as you started, like even in Kelowna. Uh, in Kelowna, again, you have to build something. Yeah. Um, I also recognize that I was completely ill-equipped to do it, hmm. and so one of the things that um, I've done, off and on, uh, through the course of my ministry, is to find people who can build into me to help me to do what I do mm. better. Um, and I found that early in my time in Kelowna, um, I partnered up with one of the other youth pastors and I said, hey, listen, you know, help me, um, help me figure this stuff out. And uh, so he, he uh, put me on to purpose-driven youth ministry, which was very influential like for Rick, me. Rick Warren? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. The, the idea of, you know, pursuing five main objectives um, and it helped to uh, frame things for me. And so that was really, really helpful. Um just the general idea of being pastoral has always been part of my heart. And so going out to meet with kids, I just think that's important. 
mm. um, actually knowing the people that you are ministering with and to. Um, and so going to schools and all that kind of stuff was was just part of the thing for me. Right. So that wasn't really built yeah. into me. That was just part of me. So I would do that to get to know kids, and we'd structure the youth ministry around around these five purposes, which made sense. They're biblical and all that kind of stuff. And so um, we went on from there. But, you know, I didn't really go super well-equipped because, like I said, I didn't feel called to youth ministry, so I didn't take any youth courses or anything like that. I had hmm. no idea what I was getting into. But how, how many years were you doing that for? Six and a half. Wow. And mm. in that time, you met Sherilyn. Mm-hmm. And you got married? Mm-hmm. And? Two kids. In the youth pastor? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, both Thomas and Ella were youth babies. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, it was fantastic. And they got to, like, you brought them to youth group. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. Youth campouts, all sorts yeah. of things. Yeah, it's sad that Hazel came to youth group in January, mm-hmm. but that's it. When she was tiny, when tiny, When she was so tiny. tiny. Yeah, yeah. I sort of did the Simba thing, held yeah. her up, and we all sang a yeah, song. Sang a song. And it was, painted her face. It's good. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> so you were that you, then you were 31, 32. When I left, I had just turned 30. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm getting 30. the timelines. I'm trying, math isn't my strong suit, but okay. so you're 24, 25 and then 30. Mm-hmm. So then, um, you get married, two kids and you left, mm-hmm. um, cause if you have, you felt called to mm-hmm. New Zealand, mm-hmm. which I just want to know about that. What? Well, we had been. Um, like things in the youth ministry were good. Um, people were coming to faith. Uh, kids are getting baptized. Um, you know, as you know, as youth pastor over a long time, people get to know you. The kids kind of, yeah. they glom to you. They love you. And um, so, you know, things have progressed well as they have in your ministry. Um, and then just over time, you know, I, I just, I, I wasn't tired of ministry, but the vehicle of ministry started to become, uh, you know, more challenging for me. Um, in making addition to jello. That, got tired of making jello. Um, and then also we weren't really able to afford to live in Kelowna anymore. Um, Kelowna's getting really expensive and with having kids at home, so, you know, less income, uh, more demand, uh, all this stuff. And so we just started to, we started into a season of prayer saying, Lord, like, what are you going to do here? Yeah. Like, how, how's this going to work out? And so with a financial thing and also with, um, this is what was going on in my heart with making, you know, being tired of making Jello. Um, we prayed for a season of like three or four months, and through that season, the Lord said, "You know, your time in Kelowna is coming to a close." Um, and then I started to pray, "Well, Lord, what's next?" And we had had mm-hmm. a dream, just like a romantic dream of like going overseas, going to Oceania, mm-hmm. New Zealand, Australia, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started to pray, "Lord, if you want to go to New Zealand, then you need to show us very specifically," which He did right away. Right away. How, can I ask how we showed you? Um, that Christmas, whatever Christmas that was, maybe 2005, four, five. Let's say it's 2005. Um, I was talking to my dad. We went home for Christmas, me and Sherilyn. Uh, I was talking to my dad about how Sherilyn and I had this romantic idea of going to New Zealand. My dad said, oh, I know a guy there. Um, Andrew Marshall is the national director there. And he interned at my church in Toronto. My dad was his supervisor. And so my dad said, hey, I know a guy there. Let me get you his email address. And I said, quote unquote, dad, I'm never going to actually go. It's just like a dumb dream. And he said, Matt, let let me get, so fine. So I took it and I promptly lost it. (laughs) Um, And so then after we were done praying, Lord, do you want us to stay? And he was silent. 
started to pray, Lord, if you want us to go, then you need to show me where Andrew Mar- where that email address is. Yeah. Because I have no idea. And the very next day, I went into church early. It was a Sunday morning. I had nothing to do as I was waiting for the service and the Sunday school to start. And so I started to clean up my office, and I was about to throw out a pile of papers. And I didn't know, I didn't even want to look at what they were. So I just wanted to chuck them into the recycling bin. And as I was about to throw them out, all I can say is that the Lord grabbed my heart and squeezed. And mm-hmm. in my heart, I felt this impression. Basically, I heard my heart in my head, you shouldn't do that. Mm. And it was a visceral experience. It was amazing. And so I stopped and I, and I thought, what's happening here? And I opened up, I took the top paper, which had been folded twice, and I opened it up and there was the paper wow. with Andrew's email address on it. And, and it, was, it was an amazing experience where I thought, where I realized, wow, like the Lord has really spoken clearly. And so I bawled my way through that service because I knew that the Lord was calling us to go. Yeah. And I was surrounded by all these kids that I loved. And now I'll make an assumption here. As when he makes things clear, he sometimes makes a way mm-hmm. very quickly and, and it can be year and a half. Year and a half. half. Okay. Mm-hmm. But relatively no hiccups. You were just sort of in that case, yeah. Yeah. Um so as we were pursuing that, um, we bought a townhouse and because we couldn't afford to live anywhere, it was cheaper for us to buy a townhouse than it was to rent. Wow, that's so weird. It was weird. Same in Chilliwack. But yeah. it, was, it, was, it was just the way that it was. And so we opened the door for that. Um, and so anyhow, um, we had to get, we kept praying. We said, Lord, you just have to keep opening doors because mm-hmm. there are many doors that can close. If we were unhealthy, um, if the government decided not to grant us work visas, um, if the alliance in New Zealand couldn't afford us, like there was all, if the, it, it took like a denominational vote to bring us. It's a very small national church there. And so they had to, yeah. they talked about it at their general council, at their annual assembly. Wow. Are we going to bring the Mordaunts here? And so there are all sorts of roadblocks that could have stayed roadblocks. And we said, Lord, you got to open doors. We'll keep, we'll keep walking through doors if you open them. And he just and kept and opening doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then a year and a half later, you're on a plane mm-hmm. with your two kids mm-hmm. and you arrive in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. What was your first, what was your first um, impression? This is my new home. Really? I looked out the window. There's our new home. And you loved it? They're driving on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. New Zealand is yeah. fantastic. Yeah, you, you always speak of it with, with um, fondness. Oh, like, it was, well, I, while it was incredibly expensive, um, is it? No, very expensive. Um, you know, if, if you were pastors renting. typically don't get paid well, yeah. and we certainly didn't get paid a lot of money, but that's also where I came to learn that there are many ways that the Lord can provide for you, mm. and your salary is one of them. Mm. Um, because he provided for us in this very expensive place. He provided for us in incredible, creative, um, hmm. diverse ways. And so I've, I, to this day... I remain convinced that the Lord can provide for us in many ways and our salary is one of them. Because we look back on, on our time there and we, we look back on it with great fondness. We look back and we see like, how do, how do we yeah. manage to do those trips and how do we manage to yeah. you know, go there and how do we, like how do the kids, the kids they don't even look like they're poor. Like we were dirt <laughs> poor. And, but uh, like how did, they don't even look like they're poor. They're dressed well and they're fed well and they're happy. There's lots of laughter in the pictures that my wife took. Yeah. Millions of pictures. Do you have any specific stories of that like maybe a, a vehicle showing up or clothes or like what 
Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, in our first few weeks that we were there, uh, six weeks, I didn't get paid because the church was just so um, ill-equipped to six make weeks, that happen. A month and a half. Yeah, so we were living on our own savings. Renting. Uh, we, we were blessed with uh, being house sitters for the first oh, couple months that we were there. That's cool. Very nice home that we were able to stay in. Um, Hazel Choi, I think her name was. Hey. So thank you, Hazel. <laughs> Um, so anyway, we didn't have to pay rent, um, for that time, but we had to buy groceries. We had to buy a car. We had to buy gas and insurance and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we wanted to live on what our income was. And so when I started to actually get a regular paycheck, we thought, you know, we need to live on this and try to make this work and whatever. And, um, early in our time there, um, we had no food in the house, like none, um, except for, uh, pumpkin soup and rice. <laughs> That's all we had in the cupboard was pumpkin soup and rice and we had no money. Yeah. So I said to my, my wife said, we're going to do, I said, well, let's just, let's warm up the pumpkin soup and cook <laughs> the rice and maybe we'll discover something like a brand new culinary delight that no one even knew about. <laughs> Trying to be positive. And so she did. And we, we, I called Thomas to the table and we all sat down and, and we prayed and thanked the Lord for his provision. And we started to eat literally the last food that was in the house. Mm. Um, and I'm looking, I'm thinking I brought my family halfway across the globe and this is, yeah. this is all that I quote unquote can provide for them. And it was, um, it was an awful experience. And so anyways, after we prayed, Thomas takes a few bites of his, of his dinner and he says, Oh, this is gross. Do I have to eat it? I'm like, no, no, you don't have to eat it. Cause it was gross. Aww. I said, can I be excused? Can I go play? Yeah, you can go play. And he left. And, and at that moment I came to realize that my little son had no doubt in his mind that his daddy would, mommy and daddy would provide for him. Hmm. And here I had all this doubt that my daddy wouldn't be able to provide for me. Wow. And, and I thought, uh, I just, you know, the contrast between his trust in me and my lack of trust in God was stark. And, uh, I just kind of had to sit with that. We didn't eat that night that's all we had mm-hmm. and then the next day John Skellen shows up at our door John Skellen was a member of our church uh, board member he owns Skellen Foods which was a, a food supplier to the restaurant and cafe industry in Auckland and he said hey I just thought you guys might like some food I was walking through my warehouse and I picked off a bunch of things and would, like would you guys like some groceries wow he didn't know what happened the night before mm-hmm. And he just dropped off this food for us. And uh, it was it was just uh, one of those moments where you see God caring for you. And uh, it was one, a moment that I will never forget. Yeah. And he did that for, you know, a few months as we needed it. You know, when we were able to actually buy groceries, we, we saw some of the cheeses and the sauces and the whatevers that he gave to us. And we couldn't afford to buy them. You know, even when we had money to buy them, we couldn't afford to buy the food that he gave us. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I like hi-fi. Uh, couldn't afford to buy a hi-fi. Like a, like what's, a, a, what's hi-fi? High fidelity. It's a speaker, oh. like um, music. Oh, yeah, yeah, thing, yeah. Right? Stereo receiver. Couldn't afford to buy one. Alistair Uren just happened to have an extra one <laughs> in his home that was better than anything that I had ever owned in my life when I was when I was in Kelowna. Um, 
the the bakery across the street from the church. Um, they called us up and uh, called me up one day at the church, and they said, you know, it's Saturday. Um, we're closed on Sunday. We have, have a bunch of day-old sandwiches that we can't sell on Monday because mm. then they'd be three-day-old sandwiches. Quote, unquote, do you know anyone in the community who who doesn't have enough money to buy food? Mm. I said, actually, I do know somebody. Yeah. I said, well, would you mind? Do you, do you just want to come and take the, these sandwiches off our hands? Yeah. And I was like, yep, yep, I would love to do that. Wow. And so for months, we got day-old sandwiches from the bakery, and they're delicious, every single one. Uh, it was the type of thing where I'd come back from Melissa's bakery and she'd have pies in there. She'd have sandwiches. She'd have donuts, whatever. And Saturday nights were a highlight because we got to have leftovers from the bakery. And so, you know, God provided for us in so many, in so many diverse and amazing ways. That, that's profound. Yeah. There are many ways that God can provide for you. Yeah. Your salary is one of them, but only one of them. And you're... I'm assuming this is, you're probably always pretty good at that, but I know this about you. You're very good at budgeting. Mm-hmm. Was that, you probably learned a lot of that in no. New Zealand? No, we knew all that before. You knew, okay. Um, our budgeting showed us how much, ooh, <laughs> how, <laughs> how much we didn't earn. Okay. So how, you weren't living in delusionment. You were actually, you knew you couldn't afford things. and We knew that we couldn't um, afford to live there. That's interesting. And it showed the, the contrast of how much he's providing probably even yeah. more. Yeah. That's beautiful. And how many years were you there? Uh, eight. Okay. And the next two kids were born there. Yeah. Katrina was born nine months after we arrived. Yeah. Um, so she, Sherilyn was pregnant, unbeknownst to any one of us. She was pregnant when we were on the plane. Uh, and then uh, Naomi came, you know, a year and a half later. Yeah. So and yeah, Naomi still has status? Citizenship. Yeah. Citizenship. Yeah. So we also have our permanent residency, which is cool. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but Naomi actually has a passport, that a Kiwi cool. passport, which is very cool. And that lasts for life? Yeah. Well, yeah. She's a citizen. She can go back there anytime she wants. Wow. As can we. And I've asked her and she kind of says she wants to. Oh, totally. She wants yeah. to go to university there. She's got the whole thing. Because university's free there is what she told me. She said, well, I haven't checked this out. Okay. <laughs> but Naomi, you know, she's no slouch. Yeah. Uh, she says that she heard that first year is paid for by the government. Okay. Just first year. Okay. But that's really nice because yeah. it gives you a leg up. And so and so they have world-class universities there. She wants to go into science. They have world-class yeah. science universities there. Um, like the the father of modern day, oh, what is it? Um, like nuclear technology, whatever it is, um, radiation stuff. He was from Otago in, southern, wow. in, so, in, the, in the South Island. Yeah. So they have world-class stuff there. And she desperately wants to go. Yeah. And that's fine. And <laughs> that's fine. You, yeah. yeah. It might be good because mm-hmm. then you can visit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's been so awesome having you here at Chillac Alliance because you, sh- I mean, that's what happens, right? You you were there for eight years and then you came here. Uh, or, or with a year in between. Oh, okay. W- where was that? So we left. Back to Kelowna, right? Uh, yeah, we went back to yeah. Kelowna. And and again, when we left uh, New Zealand, it, was, it wasn't because anything bad was happening. It's just we we went through a season where we were saying, "Okay, Lord, what's next for us?" Um, and and uh, the Lord, I wanted to stay, and Sherilyn did, at that moment, Sherilyn didn't want to stay. Yeah, and and so like her dad was sick and all sorts of things, and so it's not a good place to be in a relationship. And we said, "Okay, Lord, like I'm not going to force her to stay, and she's not mm-hmm. going to force me to leave. What is it that you want us to do?" 
And so just like we did in Kelowna, uh, when we went to New Zealand, we just had a season of prayer. We said, okay, we're going to pray for, you know, a few months. I figured six months, and then we'll hear what the Lord says. And within about six weeks, um, <laughs> the Lord, we, our prayer was, Lord, change one of our hearts, mm. either to stay or to go. Right. And within six weeks, I realized that um, I didn't want to be there. Yeah. And, and again, knowing what we were praying, you know, if you're praying, Lord, change my heart, and your heart gets changed, well, are you, were you honest in your prayer or not? Yeah. So I was honestly praying, and I had, when I started to pray, I had zero desire to leave. Zero. Huh. I knew that yeah. I was living my life's dream. Yeah. Like, it's, it's weird to be able to wake up in the morning and to recognize that you're living your dream come true. Yeah. And I don't want to go. Yeah. And in, within six weeks, I didn't want to stay. Wow. And so I said, okay, Lord. Sherilyn thought that her heart was going to change, but it was my heart that changed. It seems like, I mean, nothing can change your heart and attitude more or better or more authentically or swiftly than prayer. I've had moments in my mm. own life, just even people that you may not like, try praying for them mm. and just you just be amazed yeah, what starts Lord's happening. Up. Lord works in your heart. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so then you're in Kelowna for a year. Or so, mm-hmm. um, and then... And I then went to seminary. Um, yeah, I got not quite half of a master's degree done, and so I'm still chipping away at that. Yep. Uh, good experience. Um, and then that's when... You got a call from Leon? Or what? How did it No, I skipped yeah. a week of school, okay. and I came back to Kelowna because the, the Canadian Pacific District was having their pastor's retreat in Kelowna. Oh. And so I went there to shake hands and kiss babies. Yeah. You know, that was it. I wanted to yeah. let people know that... Matt's back in town. Matt's back in town. No one knew me (laughs) because I had been gone for eight years and I was a youth pastor in the interior. So like, you know, basically no one knew me. Um, But Leon knew me. Yep. And it just so happened that uh, George Brody, my predecessor in that role, had just told him recently that he was looking to move on. Yeah. And so Leon was looking to hire someone and he sees Matt. And he knew that I was, he knew that I was back in Canada, but then here I am in Kelowna. Yeah. And so we had breakfast and here I am. Mm-hmm. It all starts and ends around food. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you've been here for five and a, five, just five, five years, five, five and a half years, five years. Um, and what? Yeah, what's it been like? like at least the beginning, because we'll get in, we'll end with where things are at now. Mm-hmm. But just even, yeah, this is fascinating to know your experience. And we prayed um, when we came. We were praying for a uh, good fit basically good fit for my wife, my kids, good fit for the community, good fit for the church and good fit for myself with my Hmm. gifts. Um, And, you know, very quickly that we started to hear back from other people. You just really fit well here. Hmm. And they didn't know what we were praying. And so hearing, hearing that we took as a big affirmation. Yeah. Um, You know, I liked the role. There was pastoral sides to the role uh, when I was doing, um, like small groups and pastoral care and all that kind of thing. And so I got to go to the hospital and visit people and pray with people and seek to develop small groups and get to know the small group leaders. And um, and then I worked with baptism, which is something that has been important to me for a long time, and membership. And mm-hmm. and there I was also able to like develop a baptism class and develop mm-hmm. take the membership class and develop it as I wanted it to be developed because I had done that in New Zealand as well. So I wanted to, you know, to put my thumbprint on those sorts of things here. And hmm. so there's some, you know, there's some creative energies that I was able to do. And 
um, you know, build teams, which is important and fun. And so you get different people to work with you and around you. And um, so it was good. It was good. And, and very early on, my wife fell in love with Chilliwack. Hmm. And within the first few months, she said, you know what? Even if you die, I'm not leaving Chilliwack. Aww. Yeah. And so, like, I just thought, okay, this is good. Like, she feels like it's a good fit for her. Our yeah. kids came to love it very quickly. Yeah. Um, I came to love it very quickly. The people here are wonderful. Church here is wonderful. Um, Geographically, so. I mean, it has some components. You were saying how much you love the ocean in New Zealand. You can mm -hmm. kind of do that here. Not to yeah. the same way, but well, you have yeah. some adventure here. The ocean's not far. Yeah. Um, like I said, I was a suburb kid growing up, and so I live in a suburb here. Yeah. Um, but I was a farm, my mom was a farm kid and so I had farm experience <laughs> and I loved farms and so there are farms here and, yeah. you know, I love the size of this church. It makes sense to me. I, I kind of understand how it works. And so I, I like that fit to it as well. And there's just lots of, lots of things that came together really well for us in Chilliwack. Shailen, my wife, she doesn't, she doesn't do well in big city. Yeah. She did okay in Auckland because we were literally five minutes from farm country. How many people are in Auckland? Uh, one and a half million. Okay, when so we it were is there. big. Oh, a big city. Yeah. And we lived on the very outskirts of it. Our kids okay. went to a country school. Okay. Um, and so and so it works really well for her. Like I said, our kids love it. And anyway, so it was, it started out well and it's continued well. We really mm. enjoy it. Yeah. Well, it's been, I mean, it's been awesome. My first ministry experience mm -hmm. here working alongside, hired around the same time. So just, yeah. Um, yeah. Just months later. Yeah. <laughs> Which has been, it's been really good getting to know you and seeing how well you do fit and even seeing your kids and, and Sherilyn who's working in the schools now. And, and you're a Chilliwack kid. So that says something. Yeah. I mean, you don't hunt our fish, no, no. Our, but you're open to it, which I yes. thought was really funny. And like yes. Chad Gertzen taking you out on his, never, well, yeah. And his uh, quads four and all by that. four. Yeah. yeah. Four by four. Yeah. Um, that's just, that's just really cool. Um, I mean, we're all really happy you're here. And then, you know, here we are now in a, a tumultuous time as, mm. as globally, and we're all sort of collectively um, experiencing certain things. Um, and even evangelically as a whole, there's things going on. I'm not just in Chilliwack Alliance, but the pandemic's been hard. Mm -hmm. Things change. Um, and your role changed. You, mm -hmm. you stepped into the um, lead role. Mm -hmm what we're calling it not senior role yeah <laughs> because yeah. that has different connotations <laughs> in my head, yeah. <laughs> but yeah so i mean what's that been like we all we all want to know i think people will be well, curious yeah lots of people have asked me um and typically what i say and it's true is that i'm thankful in some ways because um the pandemic has made it so that like i'm not being compared directly with leon yeah um, because leon you know, wonderful leader, people really like him, great personality, he's funny, he's got a stage presence, all this kind of stuff. And then to try to follow after Leon would, you know, in doing, trying to do the exact same thing would, would have been a, a mighty challenge. Mm. Um, but then the pandemic came along and, and you know, how are you going to compare me to Leon? Right. Because it's completely different right now. Um, so I've, I've been, that part has been, I think you were know, you positive. nervous about that, or were you just sort of anticipating some of I'm that? I'm probably not smart enough to be nervous about that. Okay, you were just sort of understanding. There's a bit of a culture piece here. 
mm. where that could happen. If it did, even if it did or not. It's not even just a culture piece for any one particular church. Right. It's just normal when you have a transition yeah. of leadership. People, Some people pine away after the old person because they loved him, and some people looking forward to the new person and whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I was thankful because it just kind of let me not think about that side of the transition. Yeah. Uh, the other part that I liked about it is, like I said, I like um, innovation. I like uh, creativity. I like forming things. Right. Um, and so, so you it's know, almost like you're well suited for such a time. Well, I hope so. Yeah. So even the whole idea of podcasts, you bring it up. I love it. I love it. I think these are great ideas. Um, and and what you'll find in times of transition in general is that um, they bring with them mourning, but also creativity. Hmm. Um, but then what the pandemic has done is that it has forced us to be increasingly uh, creative, um, yeah. resourceful. Uh, we've had to figure things out, and that's been a lot of fun. And to work with people like Art Martin, who are can-do people, like our whole staff, yourself included, <laughs> like, like, okay, how are we going to figure this out? How are we going to do this? Um, and so you putting youth online, like you did a fantastic yeah. job. Yeah. Um, so, so seeing how everything has, has pivoted and how we've had to start new things and new things with Holly and stuff that Shani is doing and the way that we had to change things with five corners, um, that's all been, that's all been really fun. And I think that a lot of these things, not all of them, but a lot of these things are going to carry on into the future. Yeah. Um, and we have been given massive license and freedom to try new things because we can't do, we cannot literally do, we can't even meet. We cannot yeah. do things as we once did. And so we have to figure out new ways of doing it. And so, and so I've quite liked that. And it has helped us to, you know, yeah, shape ministry for, for a time to come. Yeah, it's like building into sort of the pillars, the, the things that hold up our church. There's an opportunity for that because we can still build into the band and the, the mm-hmm. things that run help sort of yeah, keep, ultimately, keep the church going. And I know you know this to be true, but ultimately Jesus is the pillar of our church and he's yeah. the one who holds yeah. up our church. Yeah. But the question is, how is it that we can um, reasonably and responsibly communicate Christ uh, to contemporary society? Mm. And and we haven't even, like, we have had to answer that question. We haven't had to raise the temperature on our need to do it in a new creative way or whatever whether we did or not is beside the point. We didn't even have to like, we didn't have to think about it. You know, do we need to do things differently? We had to do things differently. Yeah. And, and what I like about this is I think, you know what? The Lord loves the people of the world who are living right now. And the Lord has said that nothing is going to prevail against the, the advancement of his kingdom. And I think if that takes a pandemic for us to learn how to minister hmm. to today's culture and today's society, who listen to podcasts, who watch everything online for like 30 seconds to three minutes, um, you know, for people who uh, who are very visually oriented, short attention span, whatever, you know, um, for, well, not even everyone has a short attention span, just for like current society mm-hmm. that's very plugged in. You know, if this takes a pandemic for us to actually figure out how to do that short term, long term, mm. you know, how's it the pastoral care? During this time, yeah. how's it that you uh, seek to draw people deeper into discipleship at this time? Do you have to be face to face? I love face to face, but you know, can we do things virtually? Will it actually help us to get people, more people, involved in discipleship, in growing deep in Jesus, um, and doing things differently? Like these are questions that that uh, we get to talk about right now, and some of these things are like game changers that will do things differently in the future, that will 
be used of God, led of God, to help people to grow deep in Jesus and to take the gospel wider. Hmm. So it's huge. I'm, th- I'm yeah. thankful for it. And yeah. if the Lord keeps us in us for a little, about, little while longer, then I guess we just need to learn to do it better. Yeah. Well, that I mean, that kind of answers one of my questions that I wanted to ask you, which is, you know, what, what do you think the Lord is doing in this time? Yeah. Um, I think that um, I think he's teaching. Um, I think that he is um, stirring. Yeah. Um, I think that he is showing us a little bit of the early church hmm. where you have, you know, people who view certain hot button topics very differently. Hmm. Um, and how will the church live knowing that some of her members think very differently than others? Yeah. Um, you know, this was a this was very much a huge, huge, huge hot button topic yeah. in the New Testament church. Yeah, Paul continually speaks into it. Always, yeah. always. The Judaizing controversy, you know, uh, meat sacrifice to idols, circumcision, whatever. Um, Gentiles in the church, all sorts of things. Um, well, now we that's just been reframed around the pandemic, hmm. and I think, okay, wow. So how is it that we can live as brothers and sisters? under one Lord, with one baptism, one faith, one spirit, one word, um, with different opinions. And so there's been heaps of, there's been heaps of really positive things yeah. that come out of this, not necessarily easy things, yeah. but positive things. So while the, cha- the, the structure of church ministry changes, we also get challenged with our own, you know, our own views. And, 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 you know, though you and I might think differently on whatever it might be, you're still my brother, yeah, and I still love you, yeah, and I still, I'm going to care for you, right, and I'll stand united with you, and I'll defend you, and I'll help you, and I'll support you, and all that kind of, even though we differ on X, Y, and Z, whatever. Right. Your piece on unity and not uniform exactly, uniformity. yeah, exactly. It's biblical stuff. Yeah. So let me just ask with and with two simple questions. Um, one, uh, personal one, just you know, uh, are you are you weary? Like, are you, how are you? Like, and be honest, because I think um, mm-hmm. this is an opportunity. Um, we're just building this podcast, but people, you know, this, hopefully this is somewhat raw so people can actually hear mm-hmm. how you're doing. Um, I don't feel weary. Yeah. Uh, quite frankly. Um, yeah, I, I don't feel weary. Uh, taking courses, uh, learning to you know, function in my new role, um, all that kind of stuff. The way that transition happened, I was able to dip my toes into leadership gradually over the course of about a year, year and a half, whatever it was. And so that was a really good introduction for me because if I had just kind of jumped into the deep end, that would have have been really overwhelming for me. And so I just was able to assume more of the mantle of leadership over the course of time, and that was really healthy for me. Um, and so right now I don't really feel weary. Um, yeah, no, I'm glad. Um, how are, what are some ways we can pray for you though and pray for the church even? Um, well, think about, I don't know what I want to talk about first. <laughs> um, in my mind, I was thinking initially about praying for like me and my family. Yeah. One of the things I was thinking of is just praying for my kids. Yeah. Um, I think people at our church have been wonderful in their recognition that my kids are just kids. <laughs> um, and they haven't put any additional expectation on my kids right. to be super kids. 
like my kids are awesome. Yeah. And I love them dearly, but there's been no um, external pressure. Um, I've been asked by a lot of people, how can I pray for your kids? Hmm. And that has been, um, that's huge, huge. Yeah. Absolutely huge. Yeah. Uh, there's been no external pressure on what my wife should or shouldn't do. Yeah. I think it's a bit of a bygone era for that to happen. Most people recognize that the spouses of yeah. pastors are their own people. Yeah. Um, like, did anyone ask you if Jen plays the piano? You know, <laughs> actually maybe, but oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's the type of thing where like, you know, the, the spouses of pastoral staff are, more and more now welcome just to be themselves and yeah. to contribute as yeah. they want to contribute. And so yeah. our church has also been really awesome with that and just, you know, not ever insinuating that Sherilyn should be doing one mm. thing or another. Yeah. So with my kids and with my wife, all that kind of stuff, I've been really thankful for that. And yeah. my thought is just, you know, to pray for my, my family, yeah. that they would continue to grow in the Lord, that the Lord would um, surround them with godly, good Christian people. Yeah. Um, you know, to help them to grow in their walk with Jesus because I talk about encircling as well, right? Um, godly Christian community is vital yeah. for everyone's growth in Christ. And I, there's nothing that I want more than to see my kids grow in Jesus. Yeah. And so, you know, that my pray that my kids would ha- be encircled well. Yeah. Um, shepherded well, mentored well. Yeah. My uh, wife too. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's something in youth group that we're striving towards it's never perfect but Mm. creating a space that is sort of uh void of the external pressures where Mm. kids can actually be authentic Mm. and genuinely bring up the struggles that they're going through but um, for pks or pastors kids that's always hard because um there's just that there is whether that is a bygone era or not there still is they may feel an added pressure of having yeah. to sort of say a certain thing or believe a certain thing. And they may not actually believe it themselves that that's sort of the hard part about being a kid is we, uh, we talked to our kids a lot about that sort of thing. Cause yeah. like, uh, you know, Pastor Leon's kids were in my youth ministry, just like my kids are in your youth ministry. <laughs> um, I had a lot of pastors, kids in my youth ministry and, um, some of them felt they didn't necessarily feel pressure from the church, but they felt pressure from themselves to mm. be good because yeah. daddy is pastor. Yeah. And I've talked to my kids about it, and um, they haven't said they've ever felt that yeah. before. And we keep telling them that they have no need to feel pressure to be anything other than themselves. Yeah. Um, we encourage them to ask questions because we want them to have intelligent faith that's their own. We also recognize that through your teen years, at some point, you make your faith your own or you don't make it your own. Yeah. You, you receive it or you reject it. Yeah. And so we are working with our kids to... Yeah you know, develop their own faith and to yeah. have them ask questions and then we'll seek to answer their questions. And, um, the trajectory looks good though. That's, I'm always, I mean, yeah. that's an onus on you and the family and the sort of what you formed already. It's just this. Yeah. It's looking good for may, them. May it ever be so. May <laughs> yeah. Ever be so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Matt. Um, this has been a joy. It's, I feel encouraged. It's been cool to hear some of your story hmm. and um, hopefully for everyone else if you want to reach out you know how to get a hold of us Absolutely. email mm-hmm. um, the office and yeah one day hopefully you'll get to high five matt wouldn't that be nice soon thank you thanks Joe. bye